Good afternoon, this is Quintus Curtius, and we're back here with the podcast at Fortress of the Mind. And I wanted to do another podcast reading of another recent article that came out at qcurtius.com. And this podcast is going to be for a reader in England who uh, emailed me earlier today. Name is Nigel, and maybe it's fitting. I think it's uh, eminently fitting, actually, that this request should come from someone at the British Isles, because this podcast is going to be about Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, which I subtitled The Wages and Power of Justice. The Wages and Power of Justice. And this article appeared on uh, January 16th of this year, which was yesterday. And I think that uh, I think that it's, it's uh, somewhat fitting that the request and the legend here both come from the British British Isles, so I'll jump right into this reading and get that out to Nigel in the Midlands, who's uh, reading Fortress of the Mind from the Midlands in England. Of all the old Arthurian legends, I think I like this one the best. There is an undeniable strangeness, a bewitching weirdness to the legend of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight that makes it linger in the memory long after the act of reading is done. You know, I read an article the other day by my friend Aurelius Moner, which referenced uh, this old tale. Now, we come from different traditions and backgrounds, but I respect him as a learned and sincere man, and it made me think about a few aspects of this story that I wanted to give some extended treatment here. The story is the legend of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which was an anonymous poem that came out in the Middle Ages, or was, if we can call it published, was released in the Middle Ages, probably collected from many different oral traditions that existed at the time. Now, of course, this story is laden with with symbolism. Of course, it was originally meant to clothe in Christian symbolism the moral lessons needed to tame the savage hearts of the heathen north. And, of course, it is a parable. But a parable of what? Of many things, naturally. But most of all, it deals with the idea of the wages of justice. Most of it deals with the idea of the wages of justice. The wages of justice. For justice is never free, you know. There is always some price that must be paid for it. Goodness and virtue are all well and good. But there is some investment of energy, some expenditure of energy that must take place before we can have it. It meaning justice. Energy equals mass, as Einstein tells us. Well, I say that energy also equals justice. E equals JC squared, or something of that sort. Let's consider the tale first. It is a pretty little tale, but with dark overtones. Dark overtones, as there always are with these old Nordic legends. We do not know the original author, and it is well that we should not. Such tales should emerge starkly anonymous from the swirling mists of time that have cloaked the bogs and heath of the British Isles. We are in Camelot. Arthur and his knights are dining merrily, and into this little party walks the huge figure of the Green Knight, representing fate, 
or nature, or perhaps both. He has an axe in one hand and a bow in the other. He challenges any man present to accept his offer. They may strike him as hard as they wish, and in return, in one year's time, he will be able to return the favor at a meeting in a green chapel. So here we have a test of strength, a test of physical and moral will. No one wants to accept, of course. Everyone is alarmed by this huge green figure. Finally, young Gowan accepts the offer. And with one blow, he separates the Green Knight's head from his body. And then the Green Knight picks up his head, dripping with gore, and reminds Gowan of his promise to meet him in one year's time. And then he is gone. Nearly one year later, Gowan sets out on his journey to the Green Chapel. And everyone believes he is headed for certain death. He does too. And yet he goes anyway. He has given his word, and not to honor his word would be a fatal, irredeemable disgrace to his liege and brother knights. Gowan comes upon a castle in which three people reside, the lord of the manor, Bertilac de Hautdeser, his beautiful wife, and a shriveled old woman. Bertilac treats Gowan courteously in the best chivalric traditions but his wife tries to seduce Gowan, and he rebuffs her advances several times. In frustration, she gives Gowan a special girdle as a gift, an ornament of braided green and gold silk, and he accepts this, but he does not tell the husband, Bertilac. Then Gowan departs to the green chapel to meet his fate, and there is the green knight in all his monstrous greenness, he makes Gowan expose his necks. He makes Gowan expose his neck and toys with him a bit, but in the end he only leaves a little nick on his on his neck. Through magic, he then transforms himself into Bertilac, and informs Gowan that it was all just a test of Gowan's fidelity, courage, and restraint. And the old crone at the castle was a disguised Morgan Le Fay, the sorceress who had the power to work both good and evil. And Gowan has passed the test. Well, maybe not with an A-plus grade. For he did accept some gift from the lady of the manor and failed to tell Bertilac about it. But all men are mortal. All flesh is only flesh. And he can be forgiven, perhaps, for this lapse. The knights of Arthur's entourage accept him at last. Because justice has been done, or rather has been rendered. Yes, the test of Gowan was about fidelity, courage, and the ability to react with restraint. But more than this, the tale is an admonition to justice, the rendering of that which is one's due, which is, after all, the essence of justice. You know, because of all the virtues, justice is perhaps the most difficult to cultivate, and this is why it is the most admired by the multitude. To be just, a man must possess a certain seasoning. He must, one, be able to see problems from many different perspectives, two, be learned enough to read between the lines of complex issues, three, have such a depth of character that he is not afraid of being criticized for unpopular decisions, four, 
Not be swayed by temporary emotions or passionate sentiments. 5. Not be swayed by the temptations of money, status, or power. And is there any combination that is so rare? And this is why justice is so valued, because it is so rare. Now we can see why justice is so value, highly valued as a quality in a person, and why it is so rare. It's not easy to do what needs to be done. It is never a simple matter. Everyone knows this, and this is why justice, that is, the act of doing what needs to be done, is so rare and precious. And why, further, when it is activated, it has the power to move mountains. A small amount of justice yields an incredible amount of energy. E equals MJ squared. I like how Plutarch states the issue. And can anyone ever outdo Plutarch in moral observations? In his profound biography of Cato the Younger, this is at section 44 of that biography, Plutarch says, Indeed, more jealousy tends to attach to a reputation and belief in a person's justice than that brings one power and the confidence of ordinary people. They do not simply give a person honor as they do with the brave, nor admiration as they do with the wise, but they give real affection to the just and have belief and confidence in them. Those who practice the other virtues sometimes inspire fear and sometimes distrust. And besides, people think that those others are outstanding through their natural gifts rather than through any exercise of will. Wisdom and bravery are explained respectively through a sort of acuteness and through mental strength. But it is open to any of us to become just as soon as we will will it. And so one feels shame for unjust behavior as a vice for which there is no excuse. And this is well and truly said. Well and truly said. People are the most impressed with the, with the quality of justice because they perceive that it takes the most energy. The most energy. The wages of justice are dear, but they go a long, long way. It is the most precious of all the virtues and the one that inspires the most admiration. It takes the greatest expenditure of effort on a physical, moral, and emotional level. E equals mj squared. Look at that equation I just wrote. Do you see something? I do. It is telling us that a little bit of justice can release a huge amount of energy. Now I want you to think about that. A little bit of justice is precious. Its power is nearly matchless. It goes a long, long way. That'll conclude this podcast. This podcast was brought to you courtesy of Fortress of the Mind Publications. If you enjoyed it, I would ask that you go to iTunes and rate me there on iTunes. And if you've purchased one of my books, I would ask you to go to Amazon.com and review my books there. And we would appreciate that. I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night.